So, all right, we have, I always say we have a special guest, but I legitimately feel like I've known this dude forever. Mm. And only really legit met, you know, the summer of 2020, fall of 2020. Yep. And I mean, this brother, he's doing some big things. You know, I every time I learn something new, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's dope. So I'd like to introduce y'all to Brother Aaron Francis. Aaron, please introduce yourself, who you are, what you do. Go for it, my man. Oh, thank you so much for that introduction, Brother Christopher. Well, um, my name is Aaron Francis. I am a doctoral student at the University of Waterloo in the Faculty of Arts, Global Governance. And I'm looking at, in terms of my research, uh, Chinese foreign direct investment in Jamaica, but academics aside, I also like to spend my time in the community working in arts and working in advocacy and political organization. And we're not even having a conversation about any of that per se, but because of my 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 affinity for my community, which is Kitchener-Waterloo and where I grew up, I am by default a fan of the sport of boxing. And that's what we're going to get into today. By default? Why, why by default? Why Kitchener well, is default boxing? Why is that? Well, I mean, you know, when I think back to being a young guy, I never grew up wanting to be a boxer. I wanted to be a baseball player. You know, I wanted to be Ricky Henderson. I wanted to be George Bell. You know, well, no, okay. Some of these audience are like Ricky, who? George? <laughs> huh? Yeah, these were these were top line baseball players, by the way, folks. Google, them, Google. Them. I had all the baseball cards. I had it all. And then, so if I didn't, if I wasn't going to be a baseball player. This is the hierarchy. Then I would have been maybe a basketball player, then and then maybe maybe hockey. But no, you know what? I couldn't skate, but I had all the hockey cards. But <laughs> but is you know so by default though, you just when you're from Kitchener and you're of West Indian descent, you just you just got to know about boxing because <laughs> the individuals that I'm going to talk about they come from Kitchener or they found themselves here. Uh, through migration and immigration, and they've done amazing things in the boxing, the sport of boxing, and um, you know, it to me, it just it makes me proud. So who are these KW Kitchener? Right, I should say, is Kitchener or the Kitchener and Waterloo boxers? Is it just Kitchener? Yeah, I mean, that's a fair question. You know, back in the day, it was always just Kitchener, Waterloo, the Twin Cities. They are two different cities, two different towns, what have you. But, I mean, the biggest name by far is uh, Lennox Lewis. Now, you Ooh. know. Yes. Who's this dude? <laughs> Lennox Lewis <laughs> is a big deal. So if we, if, we, if we fast forward right to, say, one of the biggest boxing matches of all time, 2002, Lennox Lewis defeats Mike Tyson. And if, if some might recall, there's an infamous Mike Tyson uh, media clip where he's talking about, I want to eat his kids. He's talking about <laughs> Lennox Lewis's kids. So this is 2002, but there's a story. How did how did Lennox Lewis get to that point? And I'll go into it if, you, if you're cool. Yeah, let's hear the story, man, because I, I vividly remember that. Um, we eat kids. I was like, whoa, okay, all right, <laughs> let's just roll back on that eating kids. Yeah, thing. yeah, and and um and by no means uh, would I would I mean any disrespect to Mike Tyson. I, I I I truly enjoy Mike Tyson as a boxer as well, but. Talking about Lennox, so Lennox, first of all, he was born in East London, and and he moved to Kitchener in 1977. So it was Lennox and his mom. They immigrated to Kitchener, uh, not Kitchener-Waterloo, to Kitchener. And and I know this, you know, you can look it up and read it, but I also know this because 
my mom was here at the same time, you know, roughly the same age, my uncles and that sort of thing. And it was still a small West Indian community, small Jamaican community. Um, and and the thing is, uh, they all knew one another. Uh, so, but this man would go on from being an amateur boxer in the 70s, sorry, in the 80s, amateur boxer, to go on to become one of the most successful professional boxers of all time. I'm talking three-time world heavyweight champion. Three times. So this career, that this illustrious career, it really, really kicked off uh, following his gold win for Canada at the 1998, 1988 uh, Olympics, uh, Summer Olympics in Seoul, Korea. So in 1988, Lennox Lewis he won in the category of super heavyweight, and he defeated none other than Riddick Bowe. Do you know Riddick that? Bo. Riddick Who's this guy? Riddick Bowe. I mean, Riddick Bowe is is a fellow. If you look him up, he's, you know, maybe um, maybe I'm showing my age a little bit, but Riddick Bowe, he is, he's quite the accomplished boxer himself. He's an American boxer. Uh, he's done great things. He's fought all the greats, um, from Holyfield uh, to to Tyson, and. Lennox Lewis knocked him knocked him out in 1988 to win gold for Canada. Now, that was I should say Canada's first win, gold win in boxing in 56 years. Jeez. Uh, yeah, it was huge. And then for myself, so I'm just a young guy at Kitchener at the time. I remember watching that. Uh, there was a bunch of things going on in, in '88, um, not least of which uh, was it was the track and field scandal. <laughs> but hey, it's not a scandal. It's not a scandal. I'm a track it's, guy. It's something that just happened to someone it, who happened to be Canadian. Let, let's just leave it there. It's true. And then that's a whole other conversation because you know that they've admitted now that they probably screwed up the test. 100%. Yeah. So, but well, that's another conversation. Um, but yeah, so I'm a young guy watching it, you know, blows my mind because I'm from a, you know, there's a small neighborhood that I was from called Chandler Drive and Lennox was there all the time. You know, he used to, as, as legend has it, he used to train by you know in part by running up and down mount trashmore and that's the the this like this uh this this hill <laughs> in the you know in the, the um in the region of chandler drive mount trashmore used to be um you know they basically threw some dirt over a garbage compact thing and grass grew over it now it's called mclennan park but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was i'm sitting here like okay mount trashmore all right maybe it's spelt a certain way it's like no nah, no nah, it was a garbage dump yeah, it was. They covered it with grass. and Anyhow, but a lot of boxers, and we'll get into a lot of boxers, trained by running up Mount Trashmore. Um, Lennox, so Lennox won for Canada, but listen, he had to, ended up, he ended up moving back to the UK where he was born. And this is sort of a, it's sort of a sad point of departure for some folks. Because I can remember, so like I was saying, I remember him winning, I remember him coming home after winning the gold. I remember him getting the key to the city. I remember being a young guy, just like attending like this parade in celebration of Lennox. You'd go into the West Indian restaurants in town and you'd have the Lennox posters up and, you know, every, every, um, every black kid in Kitchener had a signed picture of Lennox, you know, and he also knew him. And, you know, so you had photos and what have you and and it was it was truly a small community. So just watching that, like, oh my goodness, he's a gold medalist. Um, but you know, in Lennox's own words, the boxing infrastructure wasn't here in Canada at the time for when he moved from um, amateur to pro. So the politics of the sport. I mean, for those who aren't too aware, there are some differences between amateur and pro. I mean, huge differences, in fact. Like, yeah, please explain. To, yeah. Um, well. 
So if you're uh, in boxing and you're competing in the Olympics, you are invariably uh, considered an amateur. Um, and when you're an amateur, there's certainly like limits to the amount of money that you can make. Um, even when you're in the ring, the the point system is going to be different. You got different protective equipment on. You got headgear. The gloves are different. Uh, but really, it comes down to the money that one can make. So Lennox had to go back to the UK. And so you had this kind of thing where you had some people in Kitchener-Waterloo who were like, oh, well, Lennox, he betrayed us and he left us behind. And then you had some folks in the UK where, oh, he's a he's a Brit by convenience. I mean, this poor guy, uh, he, you know. <laughs> Uh, he just he's just trying to follow his career path, right? And he was born yeah. in the UK, though. He was born in the UK. Yeah. Yep. And he came here, um, like so many, because yeah. uh, the UK is rough, and right. you know that's opportunities in Canada in the 70s were better than in the UK. Um, but you know my grandparents would tell me that all the time, and and but the the infrastructure just wasn't there. And this Lennox isn't the first one to say that, and he definitely wasn't going to be the last. Um, so. So that was in the 90s. By 1999, Lennox had defeated Evander Holyfield to become the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. So Evander Holyfield is, a, is another name, just like Riddick, Riddick Bowe. Is a, they're cut from a special cloth of super or heavyweight boxers. These guys are um, they're legends. You know, the pantheon of boxing gods, Evander Holyfield will definitely be in there. Um, for the the meme generation or the YouTube generation, if you want to look up Evander Holyfield on YouTube, you're going to find some good fights. You're also going to find a clip of Mike Tyson biting his ear off. <laughs> but, I mean, don't let don't let that be the man's legacy. Imagine we had social media back then. Imagine oh. all the memes that would have come up in that time with, oh, with Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> and it puts something in some context, folks. When, when Brother Aaron's talking about super heavyweight, Lennox Lewis was like 6'5" what yeah. 240 250 pounds these yep. were yep. massive human beings imagine getting hit in your face by yep. someone that big yeah yeah good luck so um absolute uh you know physical specimens there's someone once said i don't know if there's absolute truth to it but that boxers are the most conditioned athletes in the world um it very well may be i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't fight that i wouldn't fight that at all fight that either um, you know, George Foreman, who, who other people might know his name, um, after, after, so, so 1999, you have Lennox defeating Evander and that was, there was two bouts. They had to fight twice that year. The first one, uh, Lennox lost in the decision. It was a controversial decision. Second one, it was without a doubt, Lennox won. And then by 2002, he defeated Mike Tyson, considered the biggest boxing event of all time at the time. And at that time, George Foreman commented that Lennox was perhaps the greatest, um, I don't necessarily agree that he's the greatest, but he is definitely up there. Uh, there's a popular boxing website called Boxing Rec, and they've placed him in the top 10 of best heavyweights in the world uh, more than once, 14 times they've done so. And for what it's worth, Lennox Lewis, who went to high school in Kitchener, Cameron Heights, uh, was ranked number one boxer uh, in his weight division from 1997 to 2003 uh, by most boxing authorities. So how and why? I mean, we, you, you know, uh, Christopher, you mentioned uh, his, his size and his disposition. Um, but there are those that like to credit and and likely it's, I feel like the credit is due to uh, Arnie, Arnie Bohm. So Arnie Bohm was Lennox's trainer and was his trainer all through his amateur career. When Lennox went pro, you know, and went to the UK infrastructure 
and was working with with other professionals in that sport. Um, that was one thing. But the foundation for his boxing fundamentals uh, came from this uh, this grizzly old fellow named Arnie. And and I, I say grizzly and, and not not to be pejorative, but um, if you ever see some of the old like boxing movies like um, like a Rocky. Don't tell me Rocky. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, you always it's it's so funny how these stereotypes there's so there's some truth to some of these stereotypes. And, you know, in Rocky, you had that old dude and he's like, get up, you bum, you know, like he's really, you know, this just old dude that's just making the young guy take it to the next level. And then, you know, Mike Tyson had someone similar in his life, Custom Auto. And if you ever watch the old videos, Custom Auto is just like this old, like senior citizen Italian guy. But he's just got Mike elevating his his um, determination to the next level. So Lennox had someone similar in his life, and it was Arnie. And Arnie um, was widely regarded. And I think, I think if if someone could point to the boxing legacy, then we're going to get into a little more. You probably would have to salute Arnie uh, for creating uh, a standard, a standard, a pugilistic standard. Um, you know, it's interesting. I went trying to do a little bit of research on Arnie, and that's not a name that I often repeat because, uh, you know, I. I'm, I was of a bit of a different generation, but I found a, I found an obituary on Arnie in the in the Guardian, and I'll read a little quote here. It said, uh, "I'll read this quote and then we can talk about it." But I'll, uh, quote: "It was it was Bohm invariably known to his fighters as the old man who set Lewis on the path to success after the sullen, ill-disciplined, and alienated youngster arrived from Stratford, East London, with his mother Violet, a single parent." So yeah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's let's unpack that because I'm looking at a picture of um, Arnie Boom right now. Okay. And you're 100% right that he's the old white dude who quote unquote saved the young black wayward athlete. Yes. And I mean, for folks who don't know, East London, England, even to this day, I know it's gentrifying right now, isn't the place that. Um, you want to grow up in like that's not being pejorative to people from east london but i don't know if folks remember 2012 olympics in london the whole conversation was well we're going to build the stadium in east london folks are like uh why are we going to do that but we're going to gentrify the community and so i'm, I'm looking at the picture now of arnie Bohm, and i'm hearing what you say in the annual obituary i'm like yeah ah, Aaron, yeah. let's kind of unpack that uh yeah. savior complex here Precisely. I mean, I I I read it and I thought I didn't know. I know what to th- I know what I thought. I thought, well, this is an unfair statement. Uh, sullen, ill-disciplined, and alienated. Um, sure, I'm sure it was of um, great great service to Lennox uh, and Lennox's career to have uh, Arnie in his life. But they 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 the way they paint it is like that's all he had in his life, and that's all. And not just in terms of the sport, but in terms of of the individuals that were guiding him because i know for a fact that lennox had had a community had a community of people that loved him and supported him and and i mean honestly you got to give it up to the mother you got to give it up to mama you know what i'm saying of course Um, yeah so um that's cool uh the way it's written again hey listen that's why we just got to keep telling our own stories uh I'm, i'm looking forward to to hearing lennox talk more about those early days um, but it's it's kind of like 
you know, we were talking about stereotypes and and I feel like it is a, the way that they're illustrating the relationship and the role that this person played in his life. I feel like it uh, perhaps takes a bit away from the agency that Lennox could was likely exercising in his own right. Um, and to that end, uh, Lennox was also was a multi-talented athlete. He played football as well. If you go to Cameron Heights, you'll find uh, there's they still got the trophies and the photos of when he was in high school and he was winning all kind of championships for uh, for Kitchener and also in basketball. And they became they were the provincial champions. I think they call it OFSA. Uh, when Lennox yeah. Playing, yeah, when Lennox was playing basketball. So Lennox, you know, he had a choice between what sport to go into and he went into boxing um, and he succeeded uh, to. Yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm shaking my head here because I'm like. I feel at least, you know, students in this class, they'd be like, Lennox, who? <laughs> I and I know a lot of these students are from, you know, southwestern Ontario, Kitchener, Kitchener, Waterloo. Yeah. And even there, when we're we're having this conversation now about, you know, the other influences in his life, how a part of he was in the schooling community. So wasn't he just a boxer? Like he was in the community. He was doing things. Mm-hmm. And. I'm kind of sitting here like when we talk about the greatest Canadian athletes ever, mm-hmm. rarely do you hear Lennox Lewis's name pop up. Rarely. Yeah. Yeah. And this is um this is in part uh the politics of of the sport. Like I was saying earlier, when he essentially had no choice and had to go to the UK to pursue his career, um, you know, there were a lot of grumbling Canadians, like, oh, he's given up on us, he's not Canadian anymore. I mean, the man went to high school in Kitchener, and I would see him for years upon end. He had always come back. His mom never left the community, and he and he also gave back to the community in real meaningful ways. And so it's it's sad that um, there is a bit of erasure that takes place, um, you know, and it still to this day, I feel like persists. There are those that would champion certain athletes over others. But, I mean, the fact that um, Jamal Murray was the highest paid Canadian athlete of all time hailing from Kitchener, yeah. of all time hailing from Kitchener, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's just we should know we should we should know more. We should celebrate that a lot more. And, um, you know, it's it's tricky. I don't I'm not an, I'm not an athlete and I don't navigate those worlds. But just as as a as someone that would likes to communicate with with folks it's always a challenge uh, when you're confronted by gatekeepers and that gatekeeper piece i think is really important i'm I'm really glad you mentioned jamal murray i mean you know for folks who don't follow basketball but he is the richest has the largest contract ever period (laughs) (laughs) like you name in all the hockey no 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 jamal murray got that that max deal yeah and when you mentioned there about the gatekeepers and particularly, okay, well, Lennox left, but you're just saying here that is his formative years, who he became as a person mm-hmm. was here. He has roots in this community. Okay, cool. You could say he was born in the UK, but that's like 95, not even 99.9% of all Canadians, whether they were born somewhere else or their parents were born somewhere else or their grandparents were born somewhere else. But that yeah. narrative shifts. Yeah. And for me, I kind of sit here, I'm like, what else did he do 
Lennox Lewis for the boxing community, the boxers that we did not hear of, but we know were there. Mm. Hmm. I think he true. I think number one. I know without a doubt he inspired others, and and we'll get into that. Um, if if pe- people want to go do the due diligence, like there is literally a facility in town that you know he helped put out the money for. It's located on Lennox Lewis Way. Some of these things they came afterwards. You know they did a there's some kind of well sometimes when it comes to history and Black history. Uh, I would say that there's a bit of revisionism that takes place. So maybe it was 10 years ago that they really started bigging up Lennox Lewis once again. But I know that those in the West Indian community never gave up on him. And we also identify with his struggles and his challenges, right? Um, but so in terms of folks that he inspired, there was a, a guy that came up not too long after him by the name of Fitz the Whip Vanderpool. Now, Fitz the Whip he came to Kitchener in 1972, so a few years before Lennox, um, and his family emigrated from Trinidad and Tobago. Now, Fitz, he ended up retiring in the end with the record 24-74. So 24 wins, uh, seven losses, and four draws. It's a great, it's a great, great uh, record. And this person, this man, held six title belts. And the thing is, when I went and did some research on what, what brought him into the four, he was inspired by watching the Seoul Olympic Games on TV. So here you have a Trinidadian uh, man in Kitchener, young guy, watching Lennox Lewis win gold for Canada, for Kitchener, and decides to go into it full on for himself. So he was dabbling before as, at an amateur level. Um, and in fact, his brothers are, have also entered boxing in various, um, various junctures. Um, but, you know, uh, Fitz credits the, his father with building a full-size boxing ring in the backyard as as, as, as part Sorry, of the, Hold on, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, this, is, this is in Kitchener? Yep, this is a Kitchener. An outdoor so, boxing ring. Yeah, so his dad built a boxing ring in the backyard. And and so the brothers were able to, to, to train constantly. And eventually Fitz hooks up with uh what do you know with arnie right so he hooks up with arnie and he goes on to win all kinds of titles so we're talking world titles i know it's especially in the world of ufc the 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 resonance of these these uh these championships um you know they're dissipating more and more each year i know less and less people are watching boxing i get it but these things at the time and just being from this city, and it's like, wait a second, there's another guy from Kitchener that's doing it big in boxing? Uh, I'll read off some of his titles here. In 1997, Fitz won the World Boxing Federation Intercontinental Belt. In 1998, he won the World Boxing Council Welterweight Belt. In 1999, World Boxing Federation Super Welterweight. Uh, he won it again in 2002. And while well, Fitz retired for a little bit, and he took his time doing his thing he opened up a boxing gym which to this day he still runs he also uh the last election you should know fitz ran for the ndp you know so Fitz very much involved in the community right. uh, but in 2013 he came back to win the vacant canadian national boxing authority 
middleweight title, and he went to New Brunswick, Canada, and and knocked out some dude. I don't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, knocked out some dude. I don't know yep. who dude is. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, he, he went when Fitz came back to win that in 2013. It made him the oldest ever Canadian national boxing champion. And yeah. For the life of me, I'll never understand why people want to get hit up in their face past 40 I, and push oh, 50. Yeah. Like, nah, bruh, I'm good. Mm. Well, for everyone that got their, you know, they, everyone's got their sport. Like I said, I wanted to be a baseball player. Um, so Fitz, super accomplished in his own right. Now, believe it or not, Fitz's brother, Sid, just as well accomplished, if not a little bit more. So this is the younger brother. So Sid, the Jewel Vanderpool, also still active in the community in Kitchen Waterloo, uh, personal training, uh, community work. Um, in 1997, Sid won the North American Boxing Association middleweight title. And in 2000, so his, his career didn't last as long as his brother's. 2000, Sid lost to Bernard Hopkins. Now, Bernard Hopkins. Woo! Yeah. The executioner. Trust me. Bernard Hopkins is a serious dude. And the thing is, when you read, I read, I remember, I just, I don't remember that fight personally. I went and read about it, and you know what? He held his own. He held his own. This is a man, Bernard Hopkins knocked out this Oscar De La Hoya, for example. So there isn't, there isn't a lot of folks that, that could say, you know, they, they fought Bernard Hopkins and won. Um, Sid didn't defeat him, but he was accomplished nonetheless, and you could see how that lineage, that boxing lineage, um, Lennox, Arnie, Lennox went on pro, and then Arnie takes on Fitz. Fitz inspires his younger brother, Sid. And they have national titles, world titles, and their accomplishments. And to this day, they're still giving back to the community. And then for mine personally, I can speak to it. They inspired myself and, and, and those that grew up with me. It's not over, though. So, you ever heard of Chris Johnson? No. Who's this? Chris Johnson, Jamaican-born, moved to Kitchener uh, with his family. Chris has – he's got brothers. They're also boxers, Greg, Kirk. Uh, Chris – so, at this point now, when Chris is doing his thing, so this is uh, post, post-Lennox post gold medal, post-Lennox going pro, um, Chris started doing his thing. The first – I'll be honest, the first time I heard of Chris was because – I was I was dating his sister. She's like, oh yeah, my brother Chris, Chris is a boxer. I was like, I was like, I was muted myself. I was like, yo, like, yeah. First time I heard so, of this man, I was dating his sister. All right, cool. And like, and it's so funny because all the boxers they all had these like postcards where it was like sort of like a, a signature facsimile on it, and you know, and I just remember looking at the photo and he's like holding his belts and it's like bulging and i'm like yeah you know i don't think we're gonna work out nicole (laughs) (laughs) nicole Nicole, if you listen to this no disrespect but uh, ain't gonna work out nah so chris um you know all the the, all the all the the pros had to start as amateurs so chris started as an amateur of course and he ended up winning gold medal for canada at the 1990 commonwealth games commonwealth games it's nothing to um it's nothing to front on Commonwealth Games because it involves the quote-unquote British Commonwealth. So you have uh, most of the quote-unquote English-speaking world competing. Um, there's a lot of, of of athletic talent, a lot of um, you know sport infrastructure. Uh, if you could win at the Commonwealth Games, it's typically an indicator for for oneself 
uh, for the the Olympics. And so then the way that they stagger them, um, so the Commonwealth Games are two years prior to the Olympics. So 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 recalling, you got Lennox in like '88 uh, winning gold, um, and so only a few years later now you have a young amateur Chris Johnson coming out of Kitchener. Uh, winning uh, gold at the Commonwealth Games, and then in 1991, then he won silver at the Pan American Games. And Pan American Games is, as as it's described, um, the uh, North and South America. And then later he ended up winning bronze for Canada at the 1992 Summer Olympics in the middleweight category. Uh, some of the titles that Chris held, uh, he was in 1998. He was named WBF World Light Heavyweight. And in 2000, he had he held the light heavyweight title. Now, so I was describing from 1990, you have he went Commonwealth gold to yeah by 2000 he did have his heavyweight title, but that was kind of few and far between. And Chris's career is I think illustrative again of some of the challenges of uh, being uh, someone from Kitchener from small town Ontario, from someone from Canada that doesn't play hockey. And trying to get um, money in a professional in a professional way and capitalize on one's own talents. Um, I have a quote here when I went and did some research on Chris, uh, and I'll just read it and then we can discuss it afterwards. And it says, "I quote: After winning his Olympic medal, Johnson signed with Donald Curry and settled in Atlanta to train. Over the years, the only constant in his boxing life, however, has been this address." Things didn't work out with Curie or with the other half dozen or so management groups he's worked with over the years. And as a result, Johnson found his career in the doldrums. And it continues, the bottom line is that he got put on the back burner several times and nothing got done. There's something wrong if a fighter of Chris's accomplishments is not at a championship level at this point in his career. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, You know, I found it curious um, when it came to, in terms of the accomplishments of these boxers, uh, you have you have Lennox and you have Fitz holding X amount of titles and belts, um, and having, you know, even this n- certain level of notoriety or or recognition. And certainly for Chris, it just wasn't there. I know that um, just being who I am and being from this town, um, I knew of Chris, and. You know, I wasn't I guess I wasn't really surprised because this is the same thing I kept hearing over and over again, that it was so hard to to be um, a professional boxer and to represent Canada. So could we argue then, because I know we got a lot of backlash for Lennox, you know, 88 deuces I'm out because Mm -hmm. we don't have the infrastructure in Canada for me to succeed with the talent. And clearly you, you just rattled off a whole bunch of names. Where even myself, I'm Googling now. I'm like, oh, I've never heard of this person before who yeah. tried to stay here. Yeah. Could then we sit there and be like, yo, why are we going to hate on Lennox when he actually did the best thing that he could? Yeah. Yeah. He did the best thing for him. And he was able to use that, that his success in doing what he did, turn around, you know, build a boxing gym here, support his mom. You know, um, there's a house when you're driving out of Kitchener towards Toronto and there's like along the Grand River, there's this like massive house. And I don't know. I don't know personally, but 
it's as as legend has it, oh, that's Lennox Lewis's mom's house. That was always the the legend, like the biggest house that you could see in Kitchener <laughs> on the banks of the Grand River on the way out, you know, <laughs> among the black community. Like, oh, that's Lennox Lewis's mom's house, you know. I'm gonna go ring the doorbell. Maybe not during COVID <laughs> times. I'll be like, so um, yeah, you you Lennox Lewis's mom? Just just asking. <laughs> I mean, and I do have um a bit of a inside track. Um, so Courtney Shand. Uh, he is uh, he was Lennox's trainer when Lennox went pro. And Courtney Shand also went to Cameron Heights. Um, he was a accomplished um, amateur football player, and Courtney Shand ended up marrying my cousin. So I do have you know sort of an inside track, but I don't really like to bug Courtney about those times. The true, true, true. You know, you know. Um, but I do remember asking Courtney. Courtney, by the way, I'd love for you to meet him, Christopher. He's just a he's just the coolest dude. Like. Like just picture like like a real life shaft or something. Like, <laughs> a real you know, life shaft. You know, you just you, you shake his hand and then when you shake his hand and just your, your all your knuckles crack. You know, <laughs> he's one of these dudes. You know, cars always clean, clean. Courtney built up. You know, I remember asking Courtney like, oh, you know, Courtney, what should I be doing to to stay fit and exercise? And it's, it's like all you need to do is push ups, chin ups, and jog. That's Bro, it. I like this guy. <laughs> I never met I never met you, but you're we're 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 so old. Like I, I get that push up chip <laughs> job. That's it. That's it. He's so cool. <laughs> so uh, my big question, man, is like mm-hmm. why Kitchener? Because I mean I'm sitting here, I'm like, yo, this seemed like the hotbed, you know what I mean? There there's something there in Kitchener that really pushed these dudes to be something. And why Kitchener? And when did it or maybe it didn't, because you know I'm ignorant to the fact, but mm-hmm. you know why was it the the spot to be for professional boxers, not just you know boxing, but professional boxers. Right. And then is it still there? Is it still in existence? Or when did it kind of dissipate where we don't talk about it no more? Well, I mean that's a great question. And so um, one of the most accomplished uh, Canadian female boxers uh, of all time, uh, Mandy Budgel, she comes from Kitchener. So the legacy uh, has 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 hasn't dissipated um mandy didn't actually go professional as of yet uh she was poised to compete in the olympics um she was you know covid delayed that and then the previous olympics the challenge of course is waiting four years the previous olympics you know there was some controversy as to why she didn't make the canadian team um but she has like like excellent like more than 50 wins at an amateur level and and, and mandy bujold if you look her up you'll see she's widely regarded as just one of the greats she she followed that same legacy. Um, I think you have to credit Arnie somewhat. And you look up Arnie, there are other um, you know non non West Indian boxers associated with him that have had successes. I I think, and I could be biased, but I think it might have to do it has to do with Lennox. Um, just when you think of um, the the wins and the sort of outspurt of athletes that came following that. Right. But I think more to the heart of your question, it's like, why, why, why Kitchener? And, and honestly, dude, I feel like, like for example, my mom talks all the time about having to beat up, beat up racists in in Kitchener. So there was yeah. a fighting, there was a fighting spirit that you had to have in Kitchener. Kitchener is a is for whatever you might want to say it is now and housing, you know, Fortune 500 companies and this and that. It was a it was a factory blue collar town. Um, with tough kids and Chandler Drive was a tough neighborhood and it still is but 
um, you know, back then it was fisticuffs. It was literally, um, you know, you had to you had to be able to stand up for yourself. And especially as someone I'm, I'm saying in Lennox's case, coming from London, you don't joke around. You know, Christopher, and I'm sure your grandmother would say the same thing to you, Christopher, but like my grandmother used to tell me, you know, eat your porridge so that you can go to school and tump up the white house <laughs> if, they if, they're, if they're trying to mess with you. You know, so, these... um, Aaron, you might have to tra- translate that into um, Canadian, please, for, <laughs> for our audience, please. So, uh, you know, <laughs> eat your oats porridge, Aaron, so that in the events, <laughs> you're, you're a cost. I think this man was actually going to translate it, but I like that. Eat your oats porridge. <laughs> So, you know, there's a bit of that that culture that that had to exist here where um you had to stand for yourself and and some and some of us were able to turn that into a professional career. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cuz even now I'm looking I've never heard the Mandy name before so I'm, I'm on the site right now. It's like okay. man, yeah. this would be a perfect person to, you know, be the, you know, the ambassador for Kitchener boxing or boxing in in Canada, period. Canada, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know, like, we're of a certain generation where we were still in the, I don't want to say the tail end, but, you know, still quasi heyday of mm-hmm. boxing. So what what can we really tell to a younger audience that grew up on MMA? Like, for them, you know what I mean? It's the Chuck Liddell's. It's like, it's it's sure. the Connors. Those are the the, the pugilists, the, the you know, the fisticuffs, the mixed martial arts folks. But what can we really tell to them, like, who wouldn't really understand the level that someone mm. like Lennox Lewis was at in the 90s, early 2000s? Like, how yeah. how can we really frame it for them, how big these people were? Man, uh, everything that MMA is and does and the stars that have come out of it, it all comes from these these boxing legends and that and that. You, you know the pizzazz that they had, and also the the physical ability, and the 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 ability to turn on and off that brutality, but that charisma. You know, and the the biggest MMA star of today, whoever that is in your eyes, um, they they were did not exist in the 90s because of people like Evander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, uh, Lennox Lewis. Um, today, today you might have a Conor McGregor is going to come out with like, uh, with like Drake or something like that. But back in the day, you know, Mike Tyson was coming out with like, you know, heavy D or what have you, you know, and these names, um, just because they're not front front, uh, you know, front center in, in your minds, that's okay. But it's, it's definitely worth seeing, you know, respecting the architect and seeing where, where this, the entire that whole that whole approach to to stunting came from you know the original these are the original sure. fur coats you know the fur coats the big big cars all of that um it and it holds a special place in my heart because of course the relationship with the community but just in general to me it was just an, boxing was an extension of our culture which is to say like hip-hop and west indian culture you know um, you didn't get an opportunity to see a lot of a lot of like our people on television in the 90s, too. That's the thing that some folks might take for granted now. You turn on the radio or what have you or TV. And then it's going to be, you know, all kinds of um, you know aspects of, quote unquote, black culture. But, you know, in the 90s, like how else would you get, um, you know, 100 people in a room to watch uh, a black man come out 
to you know some Biggie Smalls music. True. You know, and he's and he's wearing custom Dapper Dan, uh, you know, outfits that are custom made. Yeah. And and you know and he's and he won't take nothing from the the, the reporters because they're gonna ask some really like dumb questions. You know, and he's acknowledging that he came from essentially the gutter or came from super hard circumstances. He came from, a, you know, he, he found his way out of a system that was literally trying to kill him True. and he found his way to success. Um, so that that we had to we had to relate to that. You know, we had to. Yeah. This is a, a big thing that I know for a lot of folks like the box boxing isn't, you know, top of mind but what you're saying there aaron is 100 percent right that we we got to understand again for you know an audience in 2021 and going forward that the way that we consume athletes you know basically on demand is very different as you're mentioning in the 90s you know what i mean like mm-hmm. where can you see like you said mm-hmm. stunting on people and yeah. you know <laughs> we, we have a, we'll I'll get you on for another day we could talk about my um my shift from liking Rocky to shifting to Creed and looking at the nuances of black athletes and <laughs> black boxes mm-hmm. in that space. Mm-hmm. But uh, what you're saying is hundred percent right. So brother Aaron, where can folks, I got to say thank you again, right? Because okay. I mean, we only have a, a short time for this, but you know, you dropped some real knowledge on me that, cool. I, you know, individuals I never heard of, you know, pulling in some context really things for me to digest because I'm new to, you know, I was going to say KW, but I'm new to Kitchener and Waterloo. Right, so right. for me to understand this history is really, really important. I've you know, known about Lennox Lewis and whatnot. So I really got to appreciate that. So brother Aaron, where can people find you, get a hold of you, you know, keep in touch, continue this conversation. Sure. Yeah, you know what? Um, You know, hit me up on Twitter uh, at Mr. Aaron Francis, A-A-R-O-N-F-R-A-N-C-I-S. And you can also find me online on Instagram at Vintage Black Canada. Vintage Black Canada is a project, an archival project that I use to retell uh, stories from from this community and other communities uh, in the African diaspora. And, you know, this is very much a I'm, I'm so happy to be able to do this. Thank you, Christopher, because it's an extension of the, the work that I've been doing through Vintage Black Canada, which is like bringing these narratives back to the fore and having these conversations. So thank you very much. No, thank you. And I mean, as always, we're going to get you back on for another pod or I'm going to jump on one of yours and we're going to kick it. So, again, I want to say thank you so much, Brother Aaron. So, folks, make sure you check out Vintage Black Canada. The work is dope. Honestly, really, really dope. Um, Check it out. Go for it. So, again, Aaron, thank you so much, sir. My love. Take care.